Hi, Wanderlusters, and today we're off to the Megalong Valley in New South Wales, just near the Blue Mountains. Welcome to the Wanderlust Podcast. My name's Janine and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls' weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land that we're talking about today and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, I talk about hidden gems a lot on this podcast, but I lived in Sydney for over five years and I had never heard of Megalong Valley. I asked several of my friends still living there and they haven't heard of it either. So I'm very happy to be sharing this little hidden gem with you today. So Megalong Valley is near the Blue Mountains. So you go out to Blackheath in the Blue Mountains, turn off behind the train station, follow this along a bit, another turn off down a long, narrow, windy road for about half an hour. And this is just beautiful quintessential Aussie sceneries. There's big gum trees. You need to keep an eye out for kangaroos. And Megalong Valley is sort of tucked up behind. There's the massive narrow neck escarpment looming ahead, full of sandstone, which changes color. And it's just breathtaking. I accidentally went out near sunset, but what a stroke of luck that was because it had the most amazing views and it was just gorgeous. There's only three wineries here, so it is super tiny, but it is very well worth the visit. A bit of history of the Blue Mountains. Being so close to Sydney, after Sydney was settled in 1788, it wasn't long before this area was looking at being explored. And while Aboriginal people had moved freely, crossing over the mountain ranges for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, it had a reputation from by the white people of being impenetrable. And it took some 25 years after the first settlement before three men crossed it, Blacksland, Wentworth and Lawson, and now towns are named after these. Then from the mid-1800s, train lines were set up and then there was a mine set up. By the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was Australia's largest regional tourist area and today it's still a thriving tourist destination. There are three wine producers in the Megalong Valley. Dry Ridge Estate and Megalong Creek Estate are open on the weekends. With Dara Wines, you can call in advance and if available, John will invite you by to check out his production. If you miss visiting the wineries, pop into Carrington Cellars in Katoomba and they sell some local wines so you can still enjoy the local drop even if you don't get a chance to visit. If you like cider check out Bilpin Cider and Hillbilly Cider both in the town of Bilpin which is about an hour away from the Megalong Valley and on an alternative road back to Sydney. There's also Mountain Culture Beer Company in Katoomba which I've heard very good reviews about if you fancy a cleansing ale. But back to the wine as that's what we're all here for. I reached out to all three of the wine producers here and you'll hear that there's quite a lot happening with the expansion of two of the cellar doors but this region's also been hit really hard with the climate. Bushfires destroying huge parts of the Blue Mountains National Park in 2020. There's been huge amounts of rain and flooding last year and this year. Being such a tiny region I reached out to all three wine producers for a chat. My first guest 
is Emma from Dry Ridge Estate. Reading an article on Dry Ridge Estate in the Sunday paper a few months ago alerted me to the Megalong Valley and that there was wineries out there. Emma and her husband Simon bought the winery about seven years ago. It's become a wonderful wedding and party venue as well as being a really lovely cellar door. Can you tell us a little bit about your wine journey and how you ended up at Dry Ridge Estate? My husband's originally from New Zealand, but we lived in Sydney and we'd both been in our jobs for a little over 10 years and we're looking for a change. So we were looking for a business to buy together as a project in Sydney. And my husband was flicking through the land newspaper and he found this winery in the Megalong Valley for sale. And neither of us had ever heard of the Megalong Valley. And we thought, oh, well, let's just go and have a look because that sounds really unique in the Blue Mountains. Went and had a look and 10 days later we bid at the auction and won it. Even though neither of us had a background in wine, my background is events and hospitality and Simon's in finance. So it's sort of we worked well as a team. Event side that you've got the experience in, you do a lot of weddings out there. Yeah, we do lots of weddings and if I can ever fit in another normal event, I'll do those as well. (laughs) It was interesting that you said you hadn't heard of the Megalong Valley because I think it is a little hidden gem that not many people know about, even people in Sydney. And it's quite close by. It's only like less than two hours away. That's exactly right. I mean, when I was young, I basically, well, my whole life, I thought the Blue Mountains consisted of Katoomba and Janolan Caves. So I wasn't aware of other little pockets like the Megalong and now obviously I know the Blue Mountains like the back of my hand. But it's extraordinary to me when I speak to people how many people know it and then how many people don't know it. You know, it's the most unique location. People are just blown away when they get to our cellar door just in terms of the views that they get of their wine tasting. It's just such a unique experience. I mean, so many people I've heard say that it's probably the best view it was at a winery in Australia yeah Yeah. and a lot of people say it's a little bit like South Africa um some of the vineyards there which I have not been to but I feel like that should be some kind of research trip at some point yeah (laughs) it's a called narrow neck escarpment yes you look right up at the narrow neck escarpment straight up at that what's on the other side of that is that the blue mountains the other side at, at one side is Katoomba So we're looking to Katoomba and beyond. I have to say, I was driving out there, little windy road, and then came up, saw the vineyard, and then just saw that view. And I have to say, it was absolutely stunning. Like, it was gorgeous. And I got there right at sunset. Perfect time. Yeah. And can you tell me, what sort of grapes do you grow out there? On our property, Riesling, Cabernet, Tempranillo, Shiraz, and Pinot Noir. We do cool climate wines, obviously, and the soil's pink granite, so it creates quite an interesting different wines. They're a little bit like um, like Tasmanian wines, like the dry sort of Riesling and the lighter Pinot Noir, and then our Shiraz is a little bit like something you'd find in orange. Fantastic. I tried one of your Barberas recently, so that's not from your vineyard? Oh, yes. So that's a sensational wine. So apart from the grapes that we grow, we buy some from Mudgy and Orange to blend with ours and then our winemaker makes it from there. So what do you think would be the flagship wine that you have there? 
I would say definitely our dry crisp Riesling. Everyone seems to know that um, and comes from far and wide to try that. The cool climate Shiraz, so beautiful mm. and velvety, but not heavy like you'd find in the Barossa, for example. And um, people really love our rosé as well, which is a couple of um, blended grapes, but it's a beautiful dry Provence-style rosé. So everyone loves that in, um, in the summer. And so there's obviously been a lot of rain this year and, and the vine's going okay? We lost a lot of the crop due to, due to the rain this year. Well, hopefully um, next year will be better. But That's the one yeah. thing about the wine industry is that other, other vineyards will sell you grapes to blend with yours. So, yeah. you know, that's what, one thing I really love about the industry. It, it's not as competitive as people would think. Everyone sort of works together, which is nice. And so the cellar doors open on weekends usually? Yes, so Fridays in winter and then weekends all year round. Do you also have accommodation up there? We do, yes. So we've got a, um, a house that sleeps eight, a homestead, and then a lodge that sleeps four, so we sleep 12. And then we are in the DO process to build another three lodges at the moment. That's exciting. Thank you so much, Emma, for your time. My pleasure. My next guest is Mike from Megalong Creek Estate. This is located right next to Dry Ridge, so it makes it really, really easy to visit. This is a real family affair. Mike and his family have been there for over 30 years. I'd like to note that I think Mike has downplayed the current cellar door situation, but they do have some really big expansion works in the pipeline, which you're going to hear about. We bought the land in 1988. We built this house in 1992 and we moved here permanently in 2002 and that's when we started to build the vineyard. It's a labour of love. Uh, Viv and I built it, Viv, my wife, and uh, we actually did a lot of the trellising and the irrigation and the plantings. Today what we do is we've got 15 acres here right? Um, under grapes. We've, you know, overall, of course, the place is much bigger than that. For us, it's very much a family business. I take care of the vineyard and all the commercial aspects, you might say. Kim's my youngest daughter. She runs all our sales and marketing. My son uh, helps out on the weekends when, you know, we're only open on Saturday, Sunday at the moment on holidays. My eldest daughter, who's a long-haul flight attendant, she also comes and helps out, you know, when she's available, when she's around. So and my wife does a lot of cooking for the cellar door. And our dog lives down there on a Saturday and a Sunday, so greeting the people. In fact, we've got three cellar door dogs that, that are there at various times, but uh, we're very dog-friendly and we love doggies. Oh, so we love children. It's a fam- very much a family-orientated visit when people come here. We had our first vintage in 2007, and, you know, we've been going ever since. We only got going with our cellar door a couple of years ago. We have big plans for that. We currently have the shed down there. Essentially, at the moment, is being used as our cellar door, but ultimately will become our event centre for weddings and things oh, like great. that. And there's a, a temporary shipping container down there that's used as the bar area for the, for the cellar door. But, in fact, what's happening is that we're in the final stage of getting approval for our DA, which will see a new cellar door built and uh, just nearby the one that's down there, overlooking our dam and looking out towards Maranek um, to take yeah. the most of the escarpment, you know. And it's it's essentially a three-storey building. 
we're just about there, and I hope to have it built by the end of next year. Oh, great. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The four varieties that we have are Viognier, Pinot Grigio, and Shiraz and Pinot Noir. We have a smaller number of rows of Mataro and mm-hmm. Grenache, which we use for blending. We focus on wine that comes from this vineyard, from mm-hmm. grapes that come from this vineyard. We harvest our grapes and um, send them to Jacob Steen in Mudgee for processing and making into wine. And he does a great job for us. And he's been making our wine for the last five years, I guess. What we do is we, we harvest up till usually lunchtime and then we put them on a truck and send them to Mudgee and they go into the crush, you know, within three hours of being picked. And then we store in controlled temperature storage at Mudgee at the moment. Um, obviously, Jacob bottles it for us and labels it. And um, then we bring it back as we need it. You know, so as much as we can, we, we take it from here. And so far... That's certainly been the case for nearly 100% of the wine that we've sold. Having said that, in the last three years, we haven't had a crop. La Nina, unfortunately, first of all, the fires in 2020 surrounded us here pretty much, and we had smoke taint that was too bad to be, the grapes could not be used. We dropped them on the ground. Last year, we got 16 inches of rain in February. We, we normally would harvest in March and reds in April. Yeah. Uh, it absolutely destroyed them, uh, but serious botrytis, uh, mould uh, issues. Again, we dropped it on the ground. This year, I, unfortunately, exactly the same thing happened. Oh, we didn't no. Get, and we did everything we could to try and save it. We were mowing every day. We were spraying weekly we, under the guidance of our agronomist from Mudgee. But... No, it just took over, and once Petritus gets going, mm. not too much you can do to stop it. We did get some white last year, mm-hmm. um, and we fortunately uh, had a fair bit of stock in storage, and that's kept us going, except the Shiraz. Now, Shiraz has been so popular that what we did is we got Jacob to make us a Shiraz and make it in the same style as close as he could to what we usually do. And we we actually do make that fact public on the bottle. It's a fabulous part of the world. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, the Megalong Valley is very unique in so many respects. And you know, I've been to vineyards and wine areas all over the world, you know, and I'm obviously biased, but I there's really, in my mind, nothing that compares with this. The the natural beauty of the and the awesome. Uh, and majestic nature of the escarpment, it's just mind-blowing and it just takes your breath away. On a, on a clear day like today, it's absolutely glorious out there. To sit at our cellar door and drink some wine and just gaze on those sandstone cliffs in the sunlight, I honestly don't think there's too many areas around the world that would equal it. My third guest is John from Dara Wines. John has a long background in many aspects of wine and hospitality. He's been a cook in restaurants. He worked at establishing vineyards before getting his winemaking degree. After working at wineries across New South Wales, he settled in the Medgolong Valley and he's quite passionate about finding the best fruit for his wines. Just decided to keep it really small. I was going to open a cellar door and have a restaurant and all that. I got all that through council many years ago, but oh, I decided right. not to go down that path. 
and concentrate on just making wine that I like and not worry too much about fashion and fad and stuff. So yeah. where do you get most of your grapes from? I've worked in the past for wine companies in the Hunter and Orange and Mudgee mainly. I used to just do a lot of networking and find out where the best grapes were grown and who grew the best grapes and what vineyards they were from and you know, got to know those people whose grapes I loved. And that was through the vin- looking at the vineyard and talking to people, but also from their pedigree of, of wine in the bottle too. People who were incredibly good at growing good grapes, which I think is hard to do. And they're the unsung heroes of the wine industry of Australia. Really, if you buy really good fruit, you've got to be a bit of a you know, a bit of a dick to muck it up in a way. So you're telling me what you do is very easy, is it? Well, no, it's a, it's easy to say that because I've got experience, but yes. um, it, it's kind of it is kind of easy. You still have difficult times where you have to get a bit of advice and help, and you talk to people and go back into the technical stuff and do a lot of analysis. But you know, you have that all that knowledge in the background. You don't really know is there as you get a bit older and yeah. you've made a lot of wine and. The winemaking is a is a like a science degree, really. It's it is, chemistry yeah. and microbiology, and that's super important. And almost, you know, you follow formulas in a way. But I think the great winemakers almost unlearn that and go by tuition as they get older and gut feel. And but that's kind of experience in the yes. background, I suppose, and trusting yourself. And do you have the same range yeah. each year or do you bring in different varieties? Well, a bit of both. So once I have a vineyard I'm really happy with and a good relationship, I, I try and continue those varieties. Like I, I kind of, in some ways, I'm known for Chardonnay locally and um, and my Mudgy Shiraz. So I do continue with them, but... They don't all, the grapes aren't good every year. So there's some years where I won't actually use those grapes. Mm. And there's some years, like the last three years, for instance, have been very hard with fires and floods and yes. a lot of climate change issues. So, so I haven't made a lot of wine at all the last three years. And when the season's very good, I make a lot of wine. And because um, all the wine I make is age-worthy, I, I I bottle age it myself because I, I like bottle aged wines. So I do do experimental wines. If if I if I sniff out something that I think is really interesting, I'll definitely give it a crack. I actually picked up a 2012 Shiraz of yours. So did you only release yeah. that fairly recently? You you aged it for a while before releasing it. Yeah, I did. I had like a run of three years of working on some Mudgy Shiraz at. 2011, 12, and 13. Yeah, well, it was yeah. unusual to find a 10 year old wine. We enjoyed yeah. it. We had it with steaks. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's lovely. It's very well received. It's probably my most popular wine at the moment. Good restaurants often really love something with a bit of bottle age, just because it's not that common anymore. It used to be something people mm. did 30 years ago, cellar wines. And I mean, people do now, but it's different. It's, um, they're, they're a valuable commodity now, whereas people used to sell our kind of ordinary everyday drinking wines back in the 70s and 80s, and that's how I got interested in wine. It was my mother had friends who sellered their wines, and 
I used to get to drink them. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, was your mum's yeah. friends really stoked when they found out that they'd inspired you to become a winemaker? Yeah. Yeah, one in particular, because I told him, yeah, when I was developing the business idea and I was still cooking in the mountains, he and his wife would visit some of the restaurants I was cooking in. And I'd talked to him and he was quite a successful business person as well. So, and I'm, I'm not that interested in business. So he was kind of helpful in a way, but I told him that he was one of the inspirations and he, he found that really sweet. And because um, it was, I remember coming, staying with my mother as like a 22 year old and just her simple cooking like a lamb roast. And this beautiful old man turned up with these old, like early, it was a 1972 Wolf Blast Cab Sav actually, and we had it with a lamb roast and it just sung, you know, it just wow. the, the harmony just sung with, just with friend, you know, friends and family. So it was just in that simple setting. You'd relate it now to, you know, people talk about, about it as a beautiful, you know, they sell the idea of food and wine and Italy and family and all of mm. that and it's all on telly and on cooking shows but it wasn't back then yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was um but uh, it just had that simplistic feeling of that that was just a beautiful marriage you know oh, so I remember that really clearly so how did you end up in the Megalong Valley with um your winemaking being in Orange and the Hunter was it just that you fell in love with the region yeah it was really it was a it was just one of those choices kind of life choices I grew up in Sydney and I was into hiking and rock climbing when I was a teenager. So I used to come up here, young teenager with my, my brother was older and he'd drive up on his pea plates and we'd go climbing and hike. And I loved the Megalong because I finished a few hikes walking through the Megalong when I was a kid. I suppose I started a family in the Blue Mountains and I'd go away and work mm. in wineries and my partner was really settled in the Blue Mountains. And I knew I wanted my own business. I just didn't think I'd do it straight away. And I thought, oh, well, if, if she wants to stay here, I'll just have a crack at doing something which was then a bit unconventional and just having a super small winery. So I just thought I could make it work. And it's beautiful. The, Meg the, the Megalong Valley is a beautiful place. So, and it's had some interesting food and wine things happening. It had good restaurants. So I just thought it would work, really. Yeah. And it has. And it did. <laughs> <laughs> Other things to do and see in the area. Blue Mountains is such a huge tourist attraction. It's a massive national park with the most famous part being around the Three Sister Rock Formation. There's an outlooking Katoomba that you can go down to and view it. And it's also got lights at night until about 11 p.m. The Three Sisters is an unusual rock formation and it represents three sisters in Aboriginal legend who were turned to stone. Each of these stones are about 900 metres tall, so they're quite spectacular. And in the show notes, you can see links to the legends. The Waradah Aboriginal Centre in Katoomba offers chance for guests to enjoy traditional dances and performances that are important to the local Aboriginal people. There's also Scenic World, it is very touristy, but it's also fabulous for families. There's a cable car, a sky rail, and the steepest train ride in the world, which is all very fun if you have kids and even if you don't have kids. There's also lots of walk, and there, a few of them are suitable for prams and wheelchairs too. 
It can be busy on school holidays, but I have to say all the staff are super happy and helpful and it made it a really pleasant place to visit even when it was school holidays. There are lots of gorgeous resorts doing high tea around the area. We went to the Fairmont and had beautiful views while enjoying our beautiful cakes and a nice glass of sparkling. You can also visit the former home of artist Norman Lindsay, which is now a museum. There are lots of paintings and statues, and you can certainly see that he appreciated the female form. If you're a bit more on the active side, you can also do canyoning and rock climbing around the Blue Mountains. So some quick stats. So it's about two hours to the wineries in the Megalong Valley from the Sydney CBD. You can get the train up to Katoomba and Blackheath, and there is actually a company that does wine tours out there, and there'll be a link in the show notes to that. There are tons of accommodation options, everything from stunning resorts, B&Bs, and more basic hotels. Katoomba is a great place to base yourself. There's also a full range of food options from the Pins on Lorene, which is a beautiful restaurant, to the local RSL. And what wines to try? Try whatever they're offering up. So being so close to Sydney, this is a perfect weekend away. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, happy wine travels. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to winedelust.com.au. That's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels.